podcast i want to thank you for listening and if this is your first time joining me welcome i am so glad you could be here today be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and if you have an extra moment would you consider leaving a review it only takes a few moments or you can also share this episode on your social media platforms this helps others find the podcast if you are looking for some good resources for deepening your faith just visit sitstillmydaughter.com to see what is available for you including bible reading plans journals edifying magazines and blog posts i also have a link in the show notes that allows you to donate to this ministry your support helps us in continuing to encourage the hearts of women with the truth of god's word Before we start, I want to do something new and ask a Bible trivia question. I am a big trivia person and always loved playing this as a teen, so I thought it might be fun to ask you a question and see if you can guess or discover the correct answer before the next podcast. So here is this week's question. Pharaoh gave his ring to who and made him ride in Pharaoh's second chariot? Let me read it one more time. Pharaoh gave his ring to who and made him ride in Pharaoh's second chariot. All right. If you are stumped, don't worry. I will have the answer for you next week. Now, for today's episode, have you ever noticed that some of the best nuggets of wisdom come from those who might be considered uneducated or even simple since they may not have gone to college or grown up in a well-to-do area? We tend to label it country wisdom, but Sometimes it is country people who have a great understanding and a deep lesson to teach us. Perhaps it is due to how they see the world, frankly and plainly for what it is, which transmits into their speech, which tends to be from their heart. I know I have enjoyed sharing several good old-fashioned bits of wisdom and lessons I learned from it with friends of mine. So today we are going to look at a country girl who caught the eye of a king. He fell in love with her and made her his queen. This book is one of the least preached out of or even discussed, and while it is mainly encouraged for young couples or newlyweds to read, there are still lessons for us to learn as well. I am, of course, referring to Song of Solomon. I must be honest, I have read through this book once as a teenager when I accepted the challenge to read the Bible through in a year and read it again when I created the Bible reading plan of the women of the Bible. The second time, though, I was focused on the sections where the young bride was mentioned or spoke and several things grabbed my attention. I wanted to share them with you today, but first I want to give you a little background of the two main characters. I will read something by Elizabeth George, who gave a helpful summary, and I quote, two people dominate this poetic love song, Solomon, who appears as the beloved, and the Shulamite maiden, who was a resident of the small town of Shunem, located in Lower Galilee. She was Solomon's first wife before power, pride, and political practices prompted Solomon to sin by adding 700 wives and 300 concubines to his household. Despite Solomon's later practices, this ancient love song exalts the purity of marital affection and romance." This girl who first captured the heart of a young King Solomon seemed to be a simple country girl, even a shepherdess, giving this story a Cinderella touch, my favorite. 
Listen to verses five and six from chapter one. I am black but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Based on this, it seems that she was not popular with her siblings and spent her time outdoors, meaning that she might not have been the most delicate of frame or complexion. While her family did not seem to think much of her, there was one who saw her and thought she was absolutely stunning. He saw her in her rags and maybe even a dirty face. But in spite of all of that, he loved her. I have a feeling that she is not the only one to ever feel like that. To be cast aside, ignored, and even abandoned by those who should have loved us is a deep and painful wound. But like this young shepherdess who was seen by a king and cherished, there is one who loves us and sees us. Our Heavenly Father doesn't just love us. He delights in us and longs for us to know him. In fact, he gave his only begotten son so that we could exchange our filthy rags for a heavenly gown and live eternally by his side. That is a love that knows no bounds and transcends time. No matter how lonely you feel, no matter how many people have ignored or abandoned you in this life or cast you aside, remember that there is one who sees each tear fall and promises to take your ashes and transform them into something beautiful. All we have to do is accept his love, just as this young country girl did from King Solomon. Now, verse 15 from chapter 2 has been the subject of one or two messages before. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The bride makes a point to mention the little foxes, a representation of little things that can cause problems in a marriage or any relationship, really. In fact, it is the little things that cause the greatest damage. Remember the story of the little boy who stuck his finger in the hole in the wall of a dam? He did it until help arrived to repair the wall because he understood that that little bit of water has the power to bring down an entire dam which would flood the town. Little things given time can be destructive if we're not careful. A choice to be upset because a spouse came home late without telling you can lead to a break in your relationship. And if it's not resolved, it can fester over time, resulting in more fighting and a root of bitterness even forming. This has an effect on our spiritual life as well. Ignoring the little sins can pave the way for bigger ones. David made the choice to let his eye linger on Bathsheba when he should have looked away Immediately, he chose to invite her to his chamber, even after knowing that she was married. His deliberate choices ended in the death of her husband and their child. Plus, his refusal to confess it before God meant that his final years as king were turbulent instead of peaceful. Little foxes left unchecked can ruin a harvest. So in order to protect the field, we must be diligent and on guard and alert with both our earthly relationships and our heavenly one. It also requires us to do something of a regular maintenance. 
Just as the farmer needs to walk through his field to make sure everything is as it should be, we need to be monitoring the field of our heart and taking out what doesn't belong there. This goes back to the verse in Psalms 139 where the psalmist asks to be searched, to let God point out the harmful habits of our life. Because remember, that's what the word wicked way means. We must let God point out our problem areas and also be willing to fix them, to take action. This is how we guard against the little foxes doing great damage and keep our relationship strong and healthy. Now chapter five verses six and seven is the next section I want to highlight. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved hath withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. Now this is a dream, or rather a nightmare, that the bride is having. She is separated from her groom, her beloved. He came knocking, but it seems that she may have intentionally not let him in for whatever reason. And of course she quickly changes her mind and runs to open the door, but he's already gone. As I look back over my notes from that second study, I made the comparison between my relationship with the Lord and this woman's desire to do whatever it took to restore hers with her groom. In her dream, she searched and was even attacked, but she still longed to find him. Please know that this is just me thinking out loud, but there are times when we have broken our relationship with the Lord because we let sin into our hearts. In some ways, we are going back to the idea of the little foxes. God is willing to restore our relationship, but we have to do our part. We have to desire it. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen? Give up every petty sin and desire him alone? This was something that I wrote down in my journal and still something that I need to remember today. Also, are we willing to follow after Christ no matter the cost? We know that the world is not our friend. It is our foe to our beliefs. But are we willing to hold fast no matter the persecution that we could suffer for it? I pray that we are, and the more time we spend with Jesus, the greater our love for him will increase. Again, these were just a few thoughts that I had while contemplating these verses. And my final thoughts come from chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. I love her confidence in this statement. She knows who she is. She is her beloved's. And that knowledge satisfies her completely. What a precious thought for us today. We can be confident in who we are in Christ. We are his beloved, cherished, adored, delighted in and treasured. The world wants us to find our identity in what we can do and how we look. But as a daughter of the king, we already know our true identity and the world cannot take it away from us, no matter how many ads they try to bombard us with each day. We are his. And that is all we need. If you struggle with self-worth, please remember these verses. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And Psalm 28, verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. God cares about the sparrows. 
And we're more valuable than them. We are made in his image. No other thing on earth can claim the same. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God did not cast them aside or destroy them and start over, though he had every right. Instead, he gave them a promise that one day they would be redeemed. He gave them hope because he loved them so much and he still continues to love each and every one of us. I am beyond grateful for that love and the knowledge that it is mine as his child. Please never forget that you are valuable because you were made in the image of God and loved with an everlasting love by him. And with that, we will end today's episode. Have a wonderful day, my friends. And I pray that each of us will take time to be in the quiet place in the presence of our loving Heavenly Father.